Welcome to the Mortcast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Moisee, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, now's a good time to go to bfwdenver.com, pick yourself up a wine bottle. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 2017 Cabernet. Uh, I'm also a big fan of the Blake Street Blend, which is a, a truly local Colorado uh, product. But they got everything else that you would want if you're a wine connoisseur. And not, I wouldn't consider myself a wine connoisseur, but I do enjoy it. So I'm a, I'm a consumer of wine, but I can't tell you much about it, which is probably most of the population. Um, I also would encourage you to go to bfwdenver.com, pick yourself up one of those bottles, get yourself some swag, or you could just book yourself a table in the dairy block. I know things are sketchy still, but I hopefully things are getting better. If you're vaccinated and you want to get your ass down there, get your ass down there. Uh, they're also on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. You could book yourself a virtual wine tasting. If you're still not comfortable with going out, those are insanely popular. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are online at bfwdenver.com where you can book yourself a table, uh, pick yourself up some wine or pick yourself up, up some swag. When you go in or you talk to them, Jeff Morton, tell them that Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. Uh, today, I have a very special guest, someone who has was on the podcast uh, back in early 2012. Uh, he was on the podcast with uh, Benjamin Hockman. And a uh, little backstory here before I introduce him. Uh, I was supposed to be the co one of the co-hosts on that podcast and uh, that particular episode, and I wasn't because I was on the week before. So we did this thing back then where I would come on and be a co-host for two episodes a month. And that was one of the episodes that where I was supposed to be on, but I couldn't be on that, that, that episode. Uh, so I don't know if Nate ever knew that, but, uh, but we also, there was back when we did it at Ross Martin's house. Um, this was in the early days of podcasting and it's good to have him back finally after nine years it is my friend from Altitude, uh, what is it, 92.5, it is yes. Nate Kreckman. Hello, Nate Kreckman. What's up, Jeff Morton? Yeah, I remember we recorded that podcast uh, in a bedroom, in an apartment, <laughs> and uh, it's nice. And actually, now I'm sitting in a bedroom in my home, so... <laughs> it's, um... The symmetry. <laughs> <laughs> Much so. Yeah, uh, I have been a guest on Nate's show a couple times. Um, I... I and always enjoyed uh, Nate whenever I've seen him, uh, consider him a friend, but we're going to kind of talk to you about a little bit of, of you know, brief moments of uh, Nate's uh, kind of radio history here, but mm. 
we're going to start off with something, and, and I, I told Nate this before the show, but I had to do a mea culpa. I did this big thing on Twitter where I was pr- proudly saying that I uh, I was the owner of the only Nuggets podcast for about five years before, like there was about, and I swear to God, there's about 25 Nuggets podcasts right now. But I, I was proudly saying this, and then someone was good enough to remind me that there was a certain little thing through the Denver Post called Pod Costanza, which I listened to. Yes every week and i had completely <laughs> forgotten it because i'm old so uh nate when you when you let me give me a little history of the pakistans because i i remember it was it was what it was wacky and zany like benjamin hockman is and uh mm-hmm. it was it was kind of a fun little thing so kind of give me an idea of what what was going on around that time all right. So, yeah, the pod Costanza. Um, hockman was always he was at the forefront of anything that was happening um technologically he was the first person that i knew that was on twitter he was the first person that i knew that figured out how to you know date girls on facebook and things like that like hooch was good at that stuff uh i very much was not i'm i'm analog all the way mm-hmm. so um ben comes to me and he's like look let's let, let's do this podcast it'll be a partnership between the denver post and espn denver the station that you were at will record it in your studio uh, and we'll do this once a week and it'll be a Nuggets podcast. So, you know, the, okay, sure. A little bit of exposure. Uh, it's, you know, hanging out with my buddy, Ben, we were, we hung out all the time anyway. So let's just go ahead and do this. So we did. And um, the first podcast that we did, we did, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes of Nuggets talk at the time. This was uh you know, this was post Carmelo Anthony trade. Yeah. So this was your, you know, your Gallo, your Wilson Chandler, your Ty Lawson, mm. uh, George Carl Nuggets at that time. Um, and then the conversation, as it typically does with Hockman, devolved. And we started, we, we would talk about stupid pop culture stuff. We would talk about baseball cards. We would talk about NBA Jam, which we were obsessed with at the time and playing for hours on end at uh, at the one up over by Coors Field all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so whatever we, we did, I don't know, a couple of them. And I kept having this like, like reoccurring thought as we were doing it of, this is the worst thing I've ever done. This is terrible. Like who would ever listen to this crap? This is just me and Hockman screwing around. This is just a self-indulgent. This is a disaster, all right? And, mm-hmm. and so I'm thinking this. <laughs> and then, weirdly, we, not a big following, but we got a following, a very loyal following of uh, Pod Costanza fans uh, <laughs> that started listening to the show all the time. And again, I mean, the, the, the amount of Nuggets talk shrank. It probably the first one might have been 15 minutes from there. We went down to 10 minutes down to eventually five minutes to intermittently. We would discuss the nuggets amidst, you know, um, ranking Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriends or whatever it was that we were doing on this podcast. Again, we call it the podcast Anza because it was a clever thing, but Seinfeld was only a small part of what we did. Right. Um, I don't know. We did the podcast for like a year, mm-hmm. probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. And I remember there being, um, I remember Hockman sent me this email one time and it was one of the editors 
uh, at the sports section of the Denver Post, who I don't think is at the paper anymore because nobody works at the paper anymore. Um, but they, uh, the email was just, it was like a complaint basically of why are we posting this on our, on our page? This has nothing to do with sports. What are these guys doing? But Hockman was, he was so well-liked at the paper. Just he's well-liked by everybody. He's the right. mayor. Okay. Right. right. Um, so Ben smoothed it over and we just, we kept doing the thing and the downloads grew. And then um, we, we stopped doing it eventually. I don't really remember why Hockman eventually moved. Um, that mm-hmm. might've been the end of it. There was like a conversation of bringing it back for a while and we were going to do it. Do you remember Jeff, uh, the Woody page and Les Shapiro would do like a, like a daily sports show yes. on the Denver post. Um, there, there was talk of me and Hockman doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, it just, it never got off the ground It never happened. And eventually Hooch went to St. Louis where he's an author and a star and, uh, I am still here and my podcasting career has gone to hell. But yes, I, I in ve- very technically speaking, Jeff, I hosted an early Nuggets podcast. You did. But it feels like that's, that's generous to say. And it was, you know, like what you guys were doing at Colorado Sports Guys, um, you know, the, like the stuff that was getting written on stiffs by you guys back in the day. We weren't, we weren't touching anything even close to that. We were nominally discussing the Nuggets briefly, and then we would just, again, we would go into, well, let's dig into the, you know, the filmography of John Voigt this week. Like, it, it was just <laughs> yeah, Analyzing coming home. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I was, you know, actually, TSG was like that, because I remember um, it was, a, we, we, we would often go for an hour and a half to two hours, mm-hmm. and I remember the one you were on. They did, I think, walk-up songs or something like that. I, if, I'm trying to remember, and it was a it was a zany episode. And when we fa- I Tim Connolly has been on this podcast 17 times, and wow. and a good half to 45 minutes of every episode, he just talks about movies and mm-hmm. TV shows he likes. I like there was one time he was on where we talked about the Fire Festival uh, documentary. Uh, that Fantastic. that was. That was that. That's what we did. But that's kind of like that's why that's why I liked it, and that's why I was kicking myself for not remembering Podskanza. And once again, I'm just going to blame that I'm old. That <laughs> if, I'm just going to blame that because I, I swear I would have like five years ago. I've been like no, Podskanza. Um, but I will if, defend your bad memory though again because of what a mess our podcast was, and, and yet like. It's it's a decade later, and somebody can still tweet at you and defend the podcastanza that very small but loyal podcastanza army that we have generated uh, remains semi strong. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because you're you're a radio guy and uh, um, and a very good one, and I I listened to you at uh, Mile High Sports when you were with uh, Joel Klatt. I used to, and, and that was back when Mile High Sports had that weak ass signal. I mean, yeah weak signal and nuggets games were on there i think because there was briefly they moved the nuggets games there and then the signal was so bad they moved it again but i on that i remember listening to you and driving down colorado boulevard listening to you and clat in the afternoon and nearly getting sideswiped by someone on on colorado boulevard 
while I was listening to something that Platt was saying about, I don't know, something about Pomona. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, he's uh, there. But this guy almost sideswipes me uh, coming down 8th Street and is burned into my brain. So now I will never forget the Kreckman and Klatt show because uh, because I was almost killed. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been the soundtrack to the end of life. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And honestly, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to talk to my ego too much right now, but as a radio guy, that's a very realistic possibility. And I've never even entertained this thought of like, the, there's some... There's been some terrible tragedy that has happened, and there is a chance that my voice saying something stupid about Dick Monfort or something like that was like the last thing that this poor soul ever heard on the planet. Right. It was. So, I liked the show too. It was, it was funny. It was. I liked hearing some stuff that wasn't on the fan, you know, because that's what everyone listened to. So I like listen to you, and then you move to uh, the adventure that was the 102.3 ESPN. <laughs> Which, the ticket first. The ticket. It was the ticket and then ESPN. Yes, that's right. And then I, uh, I've, I've, I've got some stories with uh, them that I cannot repeat on the on, on a podcast, <laughs> and I'm sure you do too. Um, yeah. But as you've gone through radio and, and then you look at the medium of, of podcasting, you, you seem to me, even though you are a, a guy who's been in radio for a very long time, uh, you seem to me like someone who can do and would do very well with a podcast because you you can talk about many different things, not just sports. Yeah, I um, I again, I've had various podcasts through the years. Um, you know, I briefly did one through the athletic and, you know, Cosmider and I would talk yeah. Nuggets, Broke and I would talk Rockies and, uh, you know, Ryan Clark and I would talk Avalanche. We, we used to do that. Um yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where I would say, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because I really do think at this stage of my radio life, I have been kind of heavily influenced by podcasting in that, you know, in, in the last several years, I've started to, to listen to a lot more podcasts. And, and one of the things that has really dawned on me is, you know, my favorite podcast to listen to are the ones where it just like it feels like I'm I'm hanging out with friends and I'm you know engaged in this you know in this case you're listening but it's like a thought exercise of of things that I am interested in right. and being talked about in ways that I am interested in them mm-hmm. and I think I've taken a lot of that to the 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 way that I am a talk radio host right now again I, I am constrained by the format right? Mm-hmm. I, I have to hit my brakes. I've got to be able to tease and engage and hold an audience. Like I get all of that part of it. And that very much is different than, you know, cracking a mic for 45 minutes to an hour and, you know, and pontificating on the topic of my choosing. It's a very different thing. Right. But in terms of the feel of what I'm going for in the show that I do with Andy Lindahl right now, I think that's very much what we're going for. Like Andy and I don't sit there and yell and scream at each other. That's not to say that we don't have classic sports radio disagreements or anything like that. But the show that we do, our goal is to create this atmosphere where people kind of just feel like they're hanging out with us. And I listening to two angry guys 
go at each other over minutia right you know the old mike and the mad dog thing like who gives a crap i don't i don't want to do that at that you know at this stage of my life i don't want to say things merely for reaction or anything like that and i think i probably was one of those kind of talk radio hosts for a while uh because that was what i was going for and then um it, it's just as i've evolved i i think you you got to find your voice and you got to say what do i want this to sound like what do i want to do every right. single afternoon and um doing the show especially with andy right now is is a really good place to be doing the kind of stuff that i like to do because mm-hmm. i'm working with another extremely talented individual and we just we have a very clear directive of what we want the show to feel like every day. And I would say that podcasting has kind of kind of pushed me in that direction. You know, it's funny. Um, you just reminded me of something because uh, back in 2012, we had Les Shapiro, a mm-hmm. good friend, my very good friend, Les Shapiro on the show. And he was not familiar at all with podcasting. Mm-hmm. And um, before the podcast, I made a point to tell uh, Les, you can swear if you want. <laughs> and uh, we've told this story over there, but it's one of my favorite things since doing this podcast was this Les Shapiro thing. He says, really? And I go, yeah. I said, you could do that? No, FC. And I said, no, no, we're not, no, we're not regulated. This is, yeah. this is internet. Yes. <laughs> and he goes, oh my God. So, right, the recording the podcast, at which, like, the first thing Les does is make fun of Ross uh, and, and this flag that was hanging on with the back wall behind. He just made, just made fun of him, and it was, like, set the tone for the rest of the podcast. So it was great. And midway through the podcast, I could see Les working it, working it up. I could see him just getting there. And then finally, finally, like, about 45 minutes in, Les, Les looks at me, and then he goes, well, fuck. <laughs> and, and he was so happy. I have never seen a man that happy in my life. And the, we had him on three more times. And every time he made it a point to swear. Every time he was what? on there. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because, all right, you know, like I, I worked with Les for a long time. And, and Les Shapiro was a really good talk radio host. Right um it's especially god the the tebow season listening to less fight with tebow callers every single day like i never missed his show it was like i i have to listen to less's head explode over all of this that's when he was with jojo right yeah 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 and he just oh man he never relented like he was so good that year um and, and that that whole topic was just perfect for him but what was funny about Les was like off the air, just one of the biggest potty mouths you're ever going to meet. Just just F-bombs all over the place, like dirty jokes, all this comes. And I'm not saying like creepy or inappropriate or anything. He was just the, the guy worked blue. And that uh-huh. was what he was like when you when you hung out with him, which is so funny because he's you know on air there was a certain buttoned up presence he's Les Shapiro he's this very respected individual in the community legendary sports anchor you know newsbreaker newshound all this stuff Les Shapiro and then when you just hung out with Les 
he was just always bitching about how he was hungry and just just <laughs> angry at, at various things and and what is this effing idiot doing over here he was but he wasn't a jerk he was just funny as hell man like oh, i loved God. loved hanging out with less off the air yeah sitting with him i used to sit next to less at broncos games <laughs> oh my god just sitting there listening to him rail about play calling and things like that under his breath some of the most entertaining stuff i've ever heard in my life guy's well, the best man i i love less less is my single i would say is if i'm gonna have a quote mentor in the business since i came in in night 2009 it is it's less shapiro and yeah. less i i'm gonna send this to you Les. so I, I i hope you will actually listen to this but uh nate and i both love you um yeah. it is it it's good, but but I just remember how gleeful he was that he got to do it on an air <laughs> format, and that that has never left me. And I think it's because it's like, and you are radio. I mean, because you have you you've got the edit button, mm -hmm. and it's hard to remove it because because you just like you're always thinking like, well, if I say this, there's some shit that's going to go down. That's the uh, this the the, I... the the station manager is going to get on me, you know. <laughs> So I've uh, I've said fuck on the air twice um, in my life. Uh, true story. Okay, um, I, I said it once. I was I think I was hosting with James Maryland on Mile High Sports way long time ago. Yeah, and and this was I remember we were talking about um, after the uh, after the I don't know we we're just talking about that after the baseball strike in '94. And do you remember they came back in '95? Mm -hmm. And at every stadium, every stadium had its incident of fans, you know, just throwing a barrage of trash out onto the field. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of them, it was, it, it might've been like um, at, uh, at, at Comiskey Park in Chicago, Sox Park in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was like magnetic schedule day. Mm -hmm. And people were, were throwing the magnetic schedules <laughs> out onto the field. And I just remember on the air, like not even thinking I was just like, and those things are dangerous. I mean, they throw them like a Frisbee. One of the corners of those fuckers will hit you right in the eye. <laughs> and then I said it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but but my co-host uh, was James Merrill. I who happened to be my boss at the time, so I didn't get in trouble. Oh. And then <laughs> you know, James did give me a, don't do that again. All right. Okay. I'm aware. And then. And then the other time that I said it, it was, it was, it was on altitude. I, I will admit that I said it on altitude oh, wow. and it was, it was an opening segment to a show and uh, Mark Mosier used to be on before me. Uh, Mosier's, it was Mosier's show and then my show and Mark Mosier again. Um, I, I love the man, but he is a disgusting slob. Okay. <laughs> grossest people you will ever meet. He's just, uh, he's repugnant. And Moj would just, he'd make a mess every day of the studio, just like food and like his dip spit and just, oh God, he's gross. Ugh. Just, yeah, <laughs> all of it. And so, and I would come in every day and he would do like a, like a very small, quick little cleanup, but inevitably like he'd leave clutter around. And then, you know, I'd have to sit there and do my first segment, like amidst, you know, Moj's junk everywhere. And finally, one day, I just, I'd had it. 
he was, I don't know, he was like eating something covered in hot sauce and like the table was sticky in front of me. And I was just like on air, I just let it slip. I was just starting to complain about how dirty Mosier is. And, and, and again, I say this is, I love the guy. He's just dirty. Okay. Yeah. And I, on air, I was just like, and Mosier left the studio a giant fucking mess. <laughs> Uh-oh. And and what's funny is, I mean, here's the other thing you got to remember is, yes, we have the dump button, but also every radio engineer in the world is stretched as thin as humanly possible. Right. And sometimes things fall through the crack, including making sure that the dump button is operational. Right. And it just so happened on this day, it was not. Right. And so it went out over air. Oh, God. <laughs> um and, and it's, it's such a bad feeling too because you say it and then you know like my producer mark springer in my ear just tells me like don't worry i dumped it and then like you see the text line just light up you know <laughs> and then it's people saying wow didn't didn't know it was r-rated today on altitude thank you you know like that kind of stuff it's like oh shoot and so my boss dave tepper just so happen to not be listening to that uh, segment, but at commercial break, and, and I love my boss. So I'm not saying that to kiss up. He's the best boss I've ever had in radio. Mm -hmm. I went into his office and I was just like, Dave, I said the F word, man. And it went out and I'm sorry. Like you need to be aware that I did that because you will probably hear something from it. Um, but he never did. Nobody ever called the FCC. We never got the complaint. Uh, apparently- wow. The audience was cool that day, and I never <laughs> actually got in trouble. So I've done it twice. I'm sure I'll do it again, uh, but I've never actually gotten in trouble for it. Oh, my God. You know, it's so funny because uh, Sandy Clough, the dean of, of Denver Talk Shows, he's been on Man. several times, too. Several times. And... He is the way he was the opposite of mm -hmm. I, I had did a uh, okay. If you can imagine this, uh, one about 2014, we had both Les and uh Sandy Clough on the same podcast, mm. and it was it was a it was just very interesting. One of the highest downloaded uh podcasts of the early days because they just had great stories and it was it was really fun. But before Sandy came on, I remember him coming up and uh, I also Sandy another one is is, is just has been so great to me over the years and I he brought with him the biggest pile of research I have ever seen in my life it was it was yeah. literally six inches thick he yeah. he kind of puts it down and I, I told I, I went over to, uh, to him before and I'm like I mean this, we're just gonna be talking here I mean you probably don't need to look anything up he says no 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 I'll, I'll use it don't worry and we we get onto us on uh, onto a subject, and sure enough, he he moves the pile over, grabs this bit of research that he has, and he starts quoting these numbers. Then it's like, what? Oh, this is a podcast. <laughs> we we're not well. We we say inaccurate stuff all the time. Yeah. that's part of the shtick. But Sandy was like really good, and and it every time we had Sandy on, it was fantastic. And so much so that uh, I think I've been on Sandy's show, I, I think eight, nine, 10 times just in the studio talking to him because our brains are similar. I, I'm a, I'm a, I remember stupid shit guy. So I, I just, 
like sports stuff, like about nugget stuff that you that shouldn't probably be remembered. I remember it for whatever reason. So it was great with the two of us doing that. But radio guys coming in has been always been an interesting thing to me because you get used to the regimented regimented thing. Mm-hmm. I have to hit my brakes. I have to do this. I can't go over here. I'll get yelled at. The producer's saying, you need to go to break. You need to go to break. You need to go to break. And all that stuff. And like with us, it's just two guys talking. And, yeah. and, and that's what I love about podcasting. It's just two people talking. It's easier. It's a hell of a lot easier. I can say. And it's just more natural. What's good is, um, you know, the, the way that talk radio has evolved and everything like that. Like, they, they give us longer segments now which is one of the cooler things, you know, the, the value of holding the audience and everything. Um, they, they give us longer segments now, which again, I, I think speaks to people listen to podcasts and people, they don't need everything in a bite-sized chunk. Sometimes they just like to listen to people talk for a while. All right. And I, and I think that's one of the, one of the things that I, I really like about just being able to do this for 10, for 10 years. That's a long time for a podcast. Podcasts yeah. do not last this long. Uh, and it's only done it because, well, you know, the band Genesis, how they kept losing members, but not replacing them. That's kind of what's happened to CSG. First, <laughs> first Ross left and then Nate and I carried on for two years and then Nate left. And then it's been the last four years. It's just been Jeff solo for the last four years. And I, I, I you know, I, I get, I don't know how it ended up being me doing this, but I, I, it's, it's one of those things. It's allowed me to have a media credential. So <laughs> I guess. I, guess I should not I should not look a gift horse in the mouth there um so you know Nate uh you there's been like in your time in radio because you're a midwest guy right you're you're Illinois yep you went to the University of Illinois didn't you I sure did Sh- Champagne, Champagne, Illinois um was when you first got to college what brought you to the state I mean, what, 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 what was the reason you came to Denver? It's interesting you ask. I literally moved to Colorado 19 years ago today. Wow. Um, is, is when I moved here. Uh, September 23rd, 2002 was when I moved here, which was something that I just, I realized this morning. It's funny, I, you know, I went for a little hike this morning and I pulled out my phone and I saw the date and I was like, holy crap. You know, and then, you know, for my 40 minute walk this morning, um, I just kind of like I was trying to think back and like reflect on like, where was I every single year since I have lived in Colorado? And what was I doing? And, you know, what was my job and who was I dating and all that kind of stuff? I was thinking about all of that. And um, I uh, so I moved here September of 2002. The reason that I moved here was I literally had nothing better to do. That, that's literally just all it was. I graduated from, uh, from Illinois in, um, in the spring of 02. And then I spent my summer, uh, my dad's a contractor. So, you know, I, I worked for him. I did construction every summer. That was my job. And I was working for my dad. And um, my brother lived in Boulder at the time. My brother had been in Colorado, I think for like four years. He was in Steamboat for a while. And then he moved to Boulder. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, like I'll, I'll go visit Dom. And so I, I came out and I stayed with him for two, three weeks, uh, late summer of 02. And then I was just like, well, I like it there. So why don't I give it a shot? I'm, I, I have nothing tying me to the state of Illinois and God knows my parents will be thrilled if I don't live in their house. Anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I did the responsible thing and I moved in with my brother and lived on his couch. Um, but, you know, and I, I spent 
the first year, um, I just, I was like a snowboard bum. That was all I did. I just went snowboarding all the time and, and I partied and I screwed around and I had a, I, I worked at, uh, I worked at Comedy Works on, on door staff, which was wow. an amazing job for somebody that is in that life situation. Wow. So I worked nights and um, I worked with a bunch of other young people that like to party all the time. And so that was basically what I did. And I did that for the better part of like a year and a half. And then it was like, okay, it's, you know, I'm, I have an expensive college degree and capabilities. I should probably do something. So I went, uh, I went back to Metro State um, to get a broadcast journalism degree. Um, so I was working on my second bachelor's at that point, which mm -hmm. was actually really cool because um, broadcast journalism at Metro State was in the speech comm department. And I had a speech communication degree from Illinois. So they basically gave me senior standing. I just needed 30 credit hours to get the degree. So a part of trying to get those 30 credit hours was I interned at the old Z560, Colorado's ESPN radio. Oh, wow. Uh, which wow. KLZ, one of the best radio signals, maybe the best radio signal uh, in this city. Uh, wow. Just fantastic. And um, I worked for Tim Neverett and Mark Kisla and Jim Armstrong as their intern. Oh, yeah. Um, on morning radio. And um, we, it was a great show. Um, great dudes to learn from. Super weird company to work for Crawford Broadcasting um they were uh um let me just put it to you this way okay because I, I you know I don't want to besmirch anybody's uh beliefs or anything like that but no, go ahead and besmirch <laughs> they, <laughs> Crawford Broadcasting of what it was explained to me at the time when I started uh, interning there and eventually got hired as a producer was they owned I don't know, like 50 some odd stations across the country um, 48 of which were Christian, mm. uh, two of which were not. And, um, it was a, the sports station in Denver, the ESPN radio affiliate and a hip hop station in Chicago that wow. was extremely highly rated and was printing money for the company. Wow. Um, but they literally called us secular radio. <laughs> okay. You are, you are secular radio. It's, it's not that the other ones are Christian radio it's that we were secular radio. Oh, wow. Um, and, and so, <laughs> culturally there was a bit of a you know a push and pull between ownership and trying to talk about point spreads on right. sports talk radio and things like that and saying a team sucks they never liked that we would get in trouble if we ever said sucks um but yeah that's i i was an intern i interned for never and armstrong and kids and then uh i got hired on as a uh producer for the afternoon show i was working for a guy named john fricky uh, who is now on mornings in Atlanta and killing it. He's fantastic. Um, so I did afternoons with Ricky, um, the uh, morning producer. It was a great dude, Dan Hyatt, who still works here in town. Um, doing he does uh, he does stats and research and stuff. He does Marlowe's research. He's great. Um, but Hyatt, um, he left to move to St. Louis so his wife could go to medical school. So I moved to the morning show. And uh, Tim Neverett, who is now one of the voices of the Dodgers. Um, was just like he was my mentor and he kind of got me going and um, pushed me along and helped me realize my talents a bit and then we all got fired a couple of years later because uh, the company didn't feel like having a sports station anymore and then I became I told you this before we started recording I became the first employee of Mile High Sports Radio. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. The original. <laughs> <laughs> the very first one. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, then did you did you start the radio program immediately, or was that did it that that so I was doing um uh Neverett was doing mornings on Mile High Sports, and mm -hmm. so I was his producer. Um, and then uh eventually um there there was an opening on the afternoon show just like one day and i filled in and marilat was like well that was good you want to keep doing it and i was just like okay because that's how it was at my life sports back then it was just like you tried something and if it was decent it was just like all right let's do it again tomorrow mm -hmm. and then we just kept on doing it so i did afternoons with marilat um for like a year and a half i had no idea what i was doing i sure if i went back and listened to those tapes now i would cringe at how awful i was <laughs> um but but i did it and then um eventually you know it became me and clat and then uh after i don't know like three years at mile high the ticket started up and um you know they called us up and offered to give us a little bit more money and offered to give me my own show i was hosting evenings on the ticket and so we bolted and went for that mm -hmm. i think i did five years i was like i was a a you know wire to wire employee of the ticket i did i did evenings i did then i moved to middays then i went to afternoons with cj and then they changed afternoons to me and Na uh, tom nalen and gary miller um and then it was just me and nalen and then nalen left and then i was just solo again for a long time and then they sold the station and uh mm -hmm. and then i ended up at altitude it was you know there was like a brief you know dalliance with the fan and there was a possibility that nalen and i were going to go over there um but uh, just the truth out the money was better at altitude so i took that gig yeah and um and and that's how uh that's how i am still there to this day and how long that's, is it how long has it been now at altitude since spring of 2016 so wow, um long? Over, over five years yeah wow because yeah. i remember when the tick well, i remember not the ticket i remember when the the 1023 folded and less went to mile high sports with goodman and then you you ended up yeah at altitude yeah. and then that's when that's when bonneville decided to let scott go yep and all that kind of came together he's <clears throat> good for scott because it wasn't long until uh, that radio station the altitude radio station i always said it was interesting because um is it doing shows and then having to be having preempted live sports mm -hmm. you only do that for the abs and nuggets right you don't do it for the rapids or anything like that <clears throat> um yeah, we have you know the 950 a.m signal so they'll overflow stuff over there but yeah um, nuggets and avalanche that that airs on the big stick no matter what yeah do you and now is does that's a different kind of mentality to to have to be in I mean, not saying captive, but I mean, you are with the company. So right. does that, does, is that a different kind of mental approach that you have to take rather than where you were before? Yeah, to a degree, I will say this. Um, I have never once been told um, not to say something about the Nuggets or the Avalanche, mm -hmm. um, nor have I ever been um discipline for anything that i have ever said about the nuggets or the avalanche and yeah. that um that included especially you know early on in michael malone's tenure 
some very strong opinions that I had about the way that he was running his basketball team. Right. Um, you know, so that's that that is a factor and, and you think about it and, and, and look, I'm never going to, we're going to go on air and, you know, rip Stan or Josh Cronky or something like right. that. Like, not right. an idiot like that, but there is generally a sense of as long as everything you say is fair and mm-hmm. is not personal or cheap, yeah, then it's, it's fair game. These are our teams and you are a talk radio station that talks about these teams and so have at it. Mm-hmm. And it, what's, what's funny is, you know, like we, we, we've been saying a lot of positive things about the, the Nuggets and the Avalanche in the last couple of years. You want to know why that's the case? Because they're good. The because they're really good and they're run by really smart people. Right. Okay. And if there's one thing that I have, that I have learned and I've sort of evolved um, on as a sports fan is the, the biggest sense of appreciation that I can have for a team or, or an organization is um, if they're run well. Yeah. If, if they make sound, smart decisions and the process by which they make those decisions and those plans is intelligent and is grounded in logic, is grounded in evidence and analytics. In if you are if you are building towards something and you have sound reasoning for doing so, I'm I'm for it, man. I'd maybe appreciate appreciate that more than anything in sports. And so right now. I mean, Connolly and his operation, uh, Sackick and what he does, they're yeah. good. They're really good. They're, they're, the, they're the two most well-run organizations in town right now. So I, I have almost nothing but good things to say about them. And I get accused of homerism for it, but, like, what are we supposed to complain about? They, the Nuggets have the MVP, you know? They've won a playoff series each of the last three years. This past season, brutal injury luck when Jamal goes down with the ACL, but right now they're in a contending window. They can win an NBA championship in the, in the next couple of years. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they can, they are set up for it. And who have done that in Denver, Colorado in, you know, the flyover NBA time zone is no small accomplishment. You got to be really good at what you do. And I think Tim Connolly is one of the smartest people um, that I have ever encountered in sports. So again, like, do I have, you know, micro criticisms in games to have problems with rotations and things like that yeah. shot selection by players, et cetera, of course. And we can say all that stuff, but in the big picture, there's not much to complain about right now with the Nuggets. You know, I, in the 12 years I've been doing this, I've only had pushback from th- something I've said via certain sources maybe twice maybe three times Mm -hmm. the biggest personal and i would say line stepping confrontation i had was with jay alvez uh (laughs) who decided to send me a very long and uh i would say personally offensive email about uh about something i had written on Denver Stiffs back yeah. in 2012. And uh, I wonder Jay Alvis reading Denver Stiffs in 2012. Well, here's the thing it was something I written comparing Stan and Josh with the Monforts. Okay. And 
you know how sensitive Jay was. And I was, it was, I came out of nowhere because I used to have the, my email at the end of uh, every article I wrote. And I just get this email just railing me for writing this and, and calling me a yellow journalist. And all I was doing was comparing Stan and Josh to, to, to the Mumfords. Yeah. And oh my God, I've never said, and I, and I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, my credential doesn't apply to the Rockies. So I thought, what am I going to do? And yeah. that's all I call I could have responded with. But that's the only time it got real line steppy with me. And that had nothing to do with the Nuggets. You know? Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've gotten in trouble with everybody before. Okay. Like I've been, uh, I've been called an asshole before by various different public relations staffs in town and PR guys. Um, I, one, th- one thing I always generally try to do is, is have some personal relationship um, with, with most of them. And I will admit in the last couple of years, maybe that's fallen off. Uh, some of that is the pandemic. You couldn't go to anything. Right. So you just don't see people as much, those sorts of things. But generally, just have that kind of baseline level of respect. And if you want to tell me I'm an asswipe for something that I said, Okay, you know, very well, fair enough. I, I recall a discussion that I had with a with a local PR guy. Honestly, it was uh, after a softball game over beers over at Kennedy one time, and the guy had had an issue with something that I had said a couple of weeks prior, and he and I just sat there and we hashed it out. And you know what, what's funny about it is the people that are in those jobs, and I'm not saying this about Jay Aldis, uh, but I'm saying this about most of them is. They're, they are in unenviable positions of sometimes having to defend um, people that are either bad at what they do or are doing things in bad faith. Yeah. And um, it's most, a lot of the time I find you can cut through a lot of that. And there's an understanding of you have a job to do. Right. I have a job to do. At times, our interests are at odds from one another, but let's acknowledge that that is all, all the case, and then let's move forward from there. And, and I think if you get to that place, you're going to be okay. And I think the good PR guys are the ones that know how to get to that. The bad ones are the ones, like the individual you mentioned before, that just weirdly make things personal. Oh yeah, and it, it, it was it was like it came out of nowhere. And it's not something that I could ever really apply to anything else in my career, yeah. because uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, I've never had any dealings with that person before. So I mean, I don't know why that would have happened, uh, but it was during a very rocky time for them per them. So maybe there was stress, but I will say Those times that continue. By the way, Jeff, they haven't stopped. <laughs> this is well, uh, you are very true. You are very right about that, and I will say this: I. I've had was blessed with a good relationship with Tim Gilt. I was blessed with a good relationship with I am blessed with a good relationship with Nick O'Hare, uh, the yeah. Nuggets uh, PR guys. I, 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 if I have an issue, I take it to them. We get it solved. I've got a good relationship with the management and the Nuggets. If I have mm-hmm. an issue or they have an issue with me, they take it to me. But honestly, that's never really happened uh, uh, to any huge extent. Um, but I think that. Is you know through the radio, you have to deal with multiple different PR people, 
And obviously it's different because each PR person has a different personality and maybe they won't like something like that. And I, and I, and I, that's why I have respect for you guys. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I have to just basically on my end deal with the Denver Nuggets and right. uh, I've had fortunate to myself. I've had a good working relationship with them for the last 12 years. Well, mm. that's not true. When, <laughs> when I was associated with early days of Denver Stiffs, there was a person who worked in the organization that a mutual friend of ours has had an issue with um, that uh, let's just say was not a fan of the blog because it started out as firegeorgecarl.com. And um, I think maybe there were some difficult feelings there that we had to (laughs) do a lot of working on. But uh, outside of that, I, I, like I said, I never really had anything, any issue. And I, and I think in that way, I guess I am fortunate in the, in that way. It's a great website name, by the way. (laughs) Firedorgecharl.com. <laughs> back back in the day, Andy. That's it's you know, it's amazing stuff. Uh, so I kind of I, I tell you what I want to take a break, but after, on the other side of the break, I want you and I to talk about some. I got some cultural things I want to talk to you about. The pop All right, things, do not, it. I but I uh, will take a break, and I'm going to talk to you about DraftKings on the other side. All right, now time to talk to you about DraftKings uh, Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, right now, the NFL is going on, and uh, people are betting like crazy. Uh, this is like peak uh, sports betting season. I uh, it's just they, they, I, I don't I don't I don't see how these uh, various sportsbooks just don't print money at this point, um, just based on all the prop bets that are going on in the end and the NFL. But you're going to have NBA starting up here and you have NHL starting up here. It's just going to be just insane. And I know Colorado's kind of got the infrastructure to deal with it. It's been a great start to the NFL season. It's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $1 on any football game this week and receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. And this football season, all customers can swing swing big with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Same Game Parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, same a place a Same Game Parlay on any NFL game, and you will be credited with up to $25 if your bet loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS to receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 on any football game. That's promo code MHS to get $150 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Do you like my uh, ad reading voice there? That's I I I, I try to inflect on different different things, and uh, uh, I, people have said, you know, I could tell you read differently when you're talking about DraftKings. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I do that. Um, I want to go to DraftKings and gamble my life away right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, so, right. 
so coming back to Pakistan's, I want to I want to kind of talk about this. So what what kind of would because CSG we did this we always ended our uh, when it was me, me uh, Nate Ross and I we would always end with a good thirty five minutes on just what we're watching uh, mm. pop culture things a bunch of Simpsons trivia you know all this stuff uh, and. I think that is something, this is my theory. I think this is somehow related to people who are our age. I think I'm a few years older than you. But I think from the late, if you're born in the late 70s to the early 80s, you tend to have similar cultural experiences. And I think one of those is Seinfeld. Another one of those is The Simpsons. Those are the big markers of the 90s. Uh, 90s movies all this stuff that came out at that time. Do you find yourself, I mean, even with, if you don't do it exclusively, do you find yourself kind of drifting back to that and making a reference? And if you're talking to someone, like in my experience, if I'm talking to someone younger, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Just I, there, there are things, um, there are things that I say all of the time to this day that are the most obscure Simpsons references that you can imagine, and yet I still do it. And recently, I, I can share this with you. All right. Um, there was there's an episode of The Simpsons where for a moment, Homer Simpson is um, impersonating Mr. Burns. He's pretending to be Mr. Burns on the phone. And somebody asks him, what's your first name, Mr. Burns? And he goes, I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how I say the words, I don't know all the time. It's the only, I don't say, I don't know. I go, I don't know. That's, that's what I do. It's annoying. Okay. I will admit it's annoying. And, you know, my wife has learned to live with it. But now if we ask, because we have a beautiful three and a half year old daughter named Lucy. And if you ask her a question that she does not know the answer to, she goes, I don't know. She says it just like that. And, and my wife is like, you got to be freaking kidding me right now. <laughs> let me tell you that episode, right? I was just, all right. That's what they go to the post office. Yep. And for some reason, this is the, with the, the brilliant part of that scene is that Homer is trying to disguise his voice. And this person obviously has no idea who Mr. Burns is. <laughs> so why are you disguising your voice? And then the kicker of that is that they're sitting on the, on the steps of the post office. And, and he goes, great plan, Bart. <laughs> just, <laughs> it just kills me it just kills me every time i see that and it was just no the simpsons first i mean maybe not the first season but from season two to season basically half of season eight it's just the most brilliant show on television i, I don't think you can get any better than the writing and how funny and clever they were at that time. It was just insight. Conan O'Brien wrote for them in the yeah. early nineties. It's just, it's just so I, 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 when I, a lot of my quotes um, are just I, I almost like a reference I will make unconsciously is a Simpsons reference. It, uh, we had, uh, I don't know, a while back, we were talking to Keith Law, uh, the baseball writer for the athletic and, we were talking to him about, you know, some Rockies prospect, and he referred to him as a perfectly cromulent baseball player. <laughs> and and I just, I, I died. I was like, it's perfect. It is perfect. But again, it is that thing of 
you know, do, people of our age. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was on, you know, it, the Simpsons was on at, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, so in college you'd get home from class and uh, engage in whatever extracurriculars you were going to do that afternoon. And then you would just sit there and watch the Simpsons. And I did it every single day uh, <laughs> religiously. And it is, it is burned. Simpsons and Seinfeld are the two things more than anything else that are just, they are burned into my psyche. And I reference them every single day, a lot of times without even thinking about it. Well, I will go to, when someone says something that I don't quite catch, I will always say the bees are on the what now? and people have no idea what i'm referring to and thinking i'm addled because i'm saying an episode of the simpsons where homer has a pile of sugar in the backyard that he stole (laughs) from an accident and then he decides to do something like try to make his own like sugar company and he has this he holds up this crudely drawn bag farmer homer's sugar with him like a crudely drawn picture of him holding a pitchfork and it's the the, it's like it just gets to me and that's the the, the, the famous episode the you know he's in the backyard trying to defend protect his pile of sugar and there's just the the old british guy is there (laughs) and the way that he says hello again it's another one that i still just hello. hello i still use it all the time and again my my daughter again she repeats that is when she comes out of her bedroom every morning i just go hello and how she does that <laughs> no it's like some seinfeld it's like uh you find yourself saying that's a shame <laughs> there's that there's uh it's whenever i'm in a parking lot you know when you're in a parking lot you're looking for for a spot and you're pulling up and you see a spot you're like oh hell yeah and then you get there and there's like a motorcycle park there and you don't get to use that spot but you thought you had it Every time I just go, they fooled me, Jerry. Like, <laughs> again, I don't, and I don't know if that'll ever go away for me. Like, I don't know if I'll ever get to a stage of my life. I'm, I'm sure, you know, at some point I'll be, you know, addled with, 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 with the inability to remember anything, but I'll probably say that until the day I die. It's <laughs> into my brain. Well, if, if, if Hooch was here, he'd be going nuts. But I think that, one of my one of my like the, the the one of my favorite episodes of television period is the jimmy episode mm-hmm. with the, the bed the special shoes mel torme yeah. it's just it's everything about that episode is absolutely perfect but it's also very 90s and that whole thing about jimmy oh, jimmy likes you yeah oh, jimmy beat on you <laughs> It's just, it just get, and then I will do quotes like that. Ah, uh-huh. Jimmy's angry. Yep. George <laughs> is getting upset. George <laughs> likes spicy chicken. There's any time uh, Jimmy Butler or Jimmy Garoppolo is any sort of like topic that we're discussing. I make sure that my producer always has any number of Jimmy, Jimmy drops ready to fire <laughs> away at any time. You know, the heat get eliminated from the playoffs and it's Jimmy's down. <laughs> Oh, so you could you probably work in salsa salsa or seltzer salsa it's just like and and it's and that's one of those things is because there's when nate nate ross and i were doing it we kind of 
I, I was that th those guys are a little younger, but I, I we would be able to kind of meld these references into it. And then at one point, do you look at it and say, we have crossed the Rubicon into no one who's actually the demographic that's going to listen to this gets it because on radio, I'm sure people, because it's an older audience, I'm sure they get it, but on podcasting, yeah. oh my God, it's, it's amazing how many times I've had to explain something that I'm referencing. And then by that point, it's just no longer funny. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's, it, it happens all the time. Now, again, like, you know, I do a show with Lindahl and we're both dudes in our forties. So right. Uh, he wasn't a Simpsons guy, but the Seinfeld jokes, you know, they, they work mm -hmm. basically every single time. And so that's good. And then, you know, I, I, I will, one of the things that I really appreciate is when I can, when I can drop in a reference um, to something and it's, it's maybe it isn't even something maybe necessarily that Andy gets and I don't spend any time on it. I'll just drop the reference and I'll go. But then you'll you'll get like a text or something like that. You know, you look at the text line in the break and somebody hit you with like, I caught that. And that's, <laughs> that, that is very meaningful for me. Like I like recently uh, Thursday night football last week. Remember uh, Taylor Heineke threw the touchdown mm -hmm. and it was caught by Ricky Seals Jones. <laughs> yeah. And as I was talking about the play, I just I, I said the line from Arrested Development, like I sealed the seal deal. <laughs> like I threw that in and and again I didn't belabor the point I just kept on going with whatever I was saying and like I remember like we got to break and there was like three texts of just like I caught that I caught that <laughs> thank you thank you that's, because I'm, I don't need the big laugh I just need the right laugh sometimes right. well see that's what it becomes because I'm like I find myself quoting so I married an axe murderer mm -hmm. so much because to me move <laughs> uh but the 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 part where he's like and i don't know why i do this but it's not even the funniest part of this movie it's that's what the beginning where you you know the see the cup following the yeah. because folks in the early 90s cafes and coffee shops and hipster like it wasn't called hipsters back then but like like coffee shops where people did poetry were springing up everywhere they were yeah. everywhere so this was a very 1993 movie and this coffee cups following and you finally gets to mike myers and he says i believe i ordered the large and every time i get a coffee cup in in a in a in a, in a, in a coffee shop like that i say that not mm -hmm. every single time and everyone who works there is of course you know 18 to 20 22 yeah. and they have no idea what i'm talking about they think i'm just being an ass <laughs> So, i guess that's the that's the the minefield of references it's just like maybe they just they, they don't catch the humor of what you're talking about and they just think you're being an asshole yeah it's it's it is the curse a little bit of this generation and one of the things it's i don't want to get too analytical on this but like i really do wonder like if you're if you're in your teens or 20s now in the in the age of 2021 where there's just like a billion things to choose from like does does that sense of commonality exist um or does it merely exist for whatever niche that you are in of the millions of niches that you can choose from today right and therefore like uh, you know you know is that is there the show 
Is there the movie that of your generation everybody viewed and knows inside and out, or is everything just so fragmented because there's a hundred thousand options? It's you know, like like that thing of like people always suggest like you got you got to see this show this 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 one, and it's just like you know what, stop stop recommending shows to me. I can't watch everything. Okay, I just I don't have time. All right, and. Quite frankly, your taste probably is terrible. I am, you know, like I'm good. I'll find my stuff. If it's good, I'll find it on my own. I don't need you, okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, okay. Wait, I could tell you that, like a perfect example. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is similar for you, but the movie that I reference people to to understand me as a person, mm -hmm. I always say, clue the movie. And <laughs> it's <laughs> and I quote from that all the time. Hmm. And uh, the, the body, what? Mr. Body's body's gone. <laughs> it's like just all the puns and all that stuff going in there, the flames on the side of the face, all that stuff. It's just, I, I burned into me. And I recommended that movie to a lot of kid people who are younger and they mm -hmm. hate it. They mm -hmm. hate the movie. And mm -hmm. and for me, that's something that I just like it doesn't penetrate my brain because it's like, how could you hate this movie? I grew up with this movie. You know, this came out the same year as the never ending story. You know, it's like <laughs> it's just like, but that's the way my brain works. So I I, I, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I recently had a conversation. Actually, it was early on in my tenure with Lindahl. He's 46. He's Caddyshack. You're kidding. I, me. Like, it, it is to me it is like the definitive comedy of my youth and yeah. yet he, he never saw it and again it's a movie that i still quote to this day mm -hmm. um probably again far too often it's you know like it's fine like i just caught a i was watching sports center the other night they showed it during an orioles highlight some guy in a terrible hat and they were just like what you buy a hat like that you get a free bowl of soup you know <laughs> and it's again like i i get the laugh out of it um, but I remember like having that conversation with Lindell and just saying, how have you not seen it? Like it's canon, man. Like it's, it's Chevy, it's Bill Murray. It's Ted Knight should have won a damn Oscar for his role as Judge Smith, <laughs> you know, like, it was unbelievable in that movie. And then, um, it's, it's Lindell never watched it. There were a couple of listeners that did, you know, like, I ah, like I've looked it up on Netflix and I watched it and they were just like, not funny. It's like, <sighs> Oh, okay. I, I want to know what you think is funny if you don't think Bill Murray and Chevy Chase riffing that entire scene, you know, in the shed, if you don't think that's funny, I, oh my <laughs> like, God. there's nothing that I ever say that you will find funny. I, 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 I felt that like with a lot of Chevy Chase movies, because I love Fletch. Fletch yep. is, uh, I quote all the time. It's, it's an all time classic. Mm -hmm. uh, that and the first vacation movie. First vacation. Yep. Uh, it's those movies, Caddyshack, Vacation, Fletch. It's that right there is pretty much the nexus of Chevy Chase right there. And if you don't get Chevy Chase, and if you think he's just a smarmy fool, which is basically Chevy Chase, Fair. Um, yeah. then you are not going to get someone bumbling over Dr. Rosen penis or... <laughs> Or uh, him getting so angry at the end of, <laughs> you're going to have so much fun, you're going to be whistling zippity doodah out your assholes. <laughs> <And> I... <laughs> I quote that all the time. 
and people just don't they look at me like that's not funny like oh yep. man really <laughs> mm-hmm. this is we're not cool anymore, Jeff. We're not. I don't know who we ever were, but no. not anymore. I'm wearing a Van Halen shirt. I, I'm not cool. Uh, so I, I, it, that's that's not something that cool people do. P- cool, pe- cool people wear shirts like band shirts, and they have no idea about anything about the band. They just like they just like the shirt. That's 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 a thing that goes on now. So, uh, do you uh, do you watch Billions? Yeah. Yeah, with uh, there was a great reference uh, on Billions this season um, about uh, the Atomic Punk that was oh. uh, that was used on this uh, this season of Billions. I I greatly appreciated it. There, there's a lot of great music references on that show. Oh, uh, but yeah, the uh, the Atomic Punk got uh, got some airtime on Billions this season. It was good. I would I would appreciate the hell out of that, quite yeah. frankly, uh, Nate. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I I won't keep you any longer because you. I have a radio show that you have to do so sure. um but it's uh, been great to have you on man and the next time i have you on i'll have to have you on my other podcast the gen x show and we could just talk about whatever on that well uh, maybe i'll maybe i'll invite hawkman on that'd be good i know he's mr famous right now though so i don't know, if I know. He's, uh, he's an author he said he's an author and i'm wondering if it, i'm going to ask him if i ever if i have him on i'll ask him if that's changed him if it's if being a literary master now has changed his approach. by the way uh last thing then as long as we're talking about benjamin hockman at the very end of this i'd like to uh, give a pub to his book 11 and 11 um yep. all about the cardinals but i want to share this little story okay so i i ordered ben's book off his website okay because I'm a good friend and I paid my 30 bucks for his book. I didn't just say like, send me a free book. All right. Uh, so I ordered it. But what's fun is when you go to the website, um, there's an option where you can, you can write in your own inscription that you would like the author to write in your book. And so um, I'd like to read the inscription that, uh, that Benjamin wrote. And it was not exactly what I asked for. Um, now, this part he did get right. Uh, To my most handsome, sophisticated, and intelligent friend, Nate. He got that part right. Um, And then he wrote, Cardinals, parentheses, I am unauthorized to use this type of language in an inscription. However, the word requested rhymes with luck. Close parentheses. (laughs) Signed, Benjamin Hockman. So... um, The columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch refused to write the words, Cardinals suck on the inscription to my book about the St. Louis Cardinals and I haven't gotten my money back and I'm still angry about it. <laughs> oh, Ben. Oh my God. I remember yeah. when he was doing columns for the, uh, for the Denver. Uh, this is, this is, I'll let you go after this story. He was doing, remember when he, he like was like a two year period or maybe a year period where he was a bit as one of the columnists, but Woody yep. and, and Kislev. And, uh, to say that we would give him shit when he would come back to Pepsi Center is uh, probably an understatement. He would mm-hmm. walk in and Dempsey and I would just level him with like, oh, you're finally good enough to come do a Nuggets thing, huh? Oh, because like, because you know, at that time, if you're a columnist yeah. at the Post, they're like, you just cover the Broncos. <laughs> cover the Broncos, that's all we care about. So we just give him shit. And what he would do is like, I'll never forget it. He'd sit there uh, in the, uh, 
you know, the, the waiting area before you get onto the practice court. And he'd sit there and uh, take it. And then he would say like, so, so, so what's going on today, guys? What's going on with the Nuggets? <laughs> and I knew what he was doing. I knew, yeah. I, I knew what Ben was doing. I knew, I knew he was like, like, give me an idea before I go in there. And I'm like, well, I don't know, actually, Ben. Uh, I've never covered the team before. <laughs> and Dempsey goes, I don't know. I've, 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 I don't, this is the first time I've seen this team. <laughs> so he wouldn't <laughs> give him anything going in there. And it was the best thing ever because we knew what he was doing. And, uh, but it was yep. good of Ben. I don't know if Ben's going to listen to this, but it, it's good of Ben to put up with our, the shit that we were giving him before he was going in there. Cause I, it was, uh, uh, it was good, but I missed that guy. So I'll, I'll have him on and I'll have you on with them and we'll we'll do it on the other podcast so we can just just do nothing but pop culture though i'm in man i'm in so all right well thank you all for joining us uh i'll finally let uh, nate go and so he doesn't get fired and uh we'll talk to you later